Welcome to Dispatch In-Depth. You know how to prioritize a baby call. You know what to send to a structure fire. You know what questions to ask when there's a robbery. However, do you have a contingency plan for the inevitable zombie uprising? What about Godzilla rampaging around downtown? Would you even know where to start if a vampire coven moved in and started picking off your neighbors? Sure, these might be unlikely scenarios, but they're not impossible. If scary movies have taught us anything, it's that no one realizes they're in a supernatural universe until it's too late, and they're woefully unprepared. Luckily, we have super nerd Kevin Pagankop here to talk about his very necessary, very fun Halloween protocols. In addition to loving sci-fi, Kevin is a contractor with PDC, a Q instructor for medical, fire, and police, lead evaluator with QPR, a member of the QA Council of Standards, and he does all the new hire training for QPR and regional instructors as well. There's not a person more uniquely or ideally equipped to help us with these kinds of unusual, spooky circumstances. Welcome, Kevin. Thank you. Glad to be here. Glad to to talk some nerdery for a while. <laughs> Me too. This is the first episode where we're going in a fun direction, so I'm excited that you're here for it. Before we get to the fun stuff, I mean, not that Dispatch isn't fun. Dispatch is very fun, but I feel like people are mostly tuning in for, you know, the monsters. Before we get to that, could you give a quick rundown of your career path? How did you get into 911? I never started out thinking I wanted to be a dispatcher. And I think that's common for a lot of us. We sort of fell into it. Either you've got a friend that recommended you or just through, I don't know, being interested in public safety or, or fire service and finding out that there's an entire communications division really opened my eyes and that appealed to me more. So I wound up coming in as a dispatcher for a private ambulance company in California and really enjoyed it so much so that I got into training. I went the CTO route. I went over to the dark side and became a supervisor. <laughs> then once you get into management, that that opens a couple different doors. So I'm with a different private agency now in the state of Nevada, and I've been in public safety almost 20 years now. Wow. that That's a really long time. We talk about this a lot on the podcast, but the turnover in dispatch is so high that to have someone who's been in the field for 10 years is remarkable, let alone 20. I can just imagine the experiences you've had, especially in California. How many chupacabras did you run into during your career, Kevin? <laughs> Chupacabra. I love the creatures are so regional, too. Like yeah. you talk about a Bigfoot or a Yeti or a Sasquatch. I think there's like six other terms for the same creature, depending mm -hmm. on where you are. Yeah, yeah, which really solidifies to me that they're like, I mean, they're based on something. If they're not real, there is something universal about, you know, dragons or yetis, just big furry creatures. I don't know, man. There's a lot we don't know. I think so. And I, I, you know, I hate to admit all my nerdery, but <laughs> when I was a kid, I was really into, and I mean, not just comic books and movies, but mythology. Yeah. And reading all different mythologies from across the world and their similarities. There's like the same deities and the same creatures and like dragons are represented in both Eastern and, and Western philosophy. And I, yeah, there's something there. Yeah. There's something there. Oh my gosh. Absolutely. And vampires too. Like every civilization has some 
version of vampire and whether they're like ramping up a really boring soul sucking person in the village right you know like you there's that person that if you talk to you can feel your life shortening right they were just like you know what we're gonna make bill into the most heinous creature of all time or there were actually vampires like we just don't know but it's really it's fun to talk about so what inspired you to write these halloween protocols when I was doing training and you're trying to provide CDE, it can be really dry. Mm-hmm. And I think for a lot of uh, trainers or CTOs or supervisors out there, you sort of just inherit whatever your predecessor did at your agency. And it's just, that's the way we've always done it. Or that's the, the format. And I, I don't know. I thought it was kind of boring. So this was like years ago, I think. 2011 was, I don't know, it was the height of uh, that show Walking Dead. Mm -hmm. And everything was zombies and Walking Dead. And I got really hooked on that show and just started playing around with the zombie protocol. (laughs) What would you do? Like, what's going to happen when this inevitable apocalypse comes? And really liked the format of the the protocols and so was able to come up with some fun key questions and determining codes and the additional information was the most fun because you can just bring in a lot of movie references or, or tv references and then it just took off i wound up doing more than just a zombie protocol and then printed them out and snuck them into the card sets uh, and again, this is back in the day when there were card sets at, at workstations, but we did a, a CDE and prompted everybody, hey, you know, bring your card set out for this. How would you for a zombie attack? How would you uh, handle a, a vampire infestation? And it was just fun to watch them flip through the cards and, hey, where the heck did this thing come from? <laughs> That's so awesome. I just I love it so much. One of my favorite details on these protocols is there's just a little line of text that says this protocol is not affiliated with any academies. Any similarities should be considered flattering and not litigious. It's so fun. And it's so funny because how it came to my attention was, I think I was talking to Kim Rigdon and we were mentioning how Doc has the zombie one framed in his office. And she was like, oh my gosh, you should talk to Kevin about this. So, I mean, clearly we we thought it was flattering and not litigious. Will we integrate them into ProQA? Maybe. That's... <laughs> yes, that's that's my next project. Yeah, I, I still wonder if I, when we were done with the exercise, you know, after Halloween passes, if I remember to pull these all out of the card set, there's probably some outdated <laughs> card set floating around in my old agency with a monster protocol in it. Okay, but you know what? When Mothra rocks up to Main Street and people are calling in about it, they're going to be so grateful that it's still in there. <laughs> this one person that finds it will save the day. <laughs> That's like the plot of most movies, isn't it? Like the unlikely hero yes. rises up to save the day. Exactly. If anyone is writing a screenplay where a dispatcher is the hero of a scary film, please send it to us. I don't know anyone in Hollywood, but I would love to read it because I think that sounds hilarious. That's perfect. Yes. <laughs> so let's run through each of these protocols. So there's protocol 28, which is zombies. Protocol 47, which is monsters, creatures, slash animals. And then Protocol 666, which is, of course, vampires. Kevin, dealer's choice. Which one do you want to start with? 
You know, I think the one that started it all was zombies. We should jump into the zombie protocol. All right, let's do it. We will have links in the show notes where you can go and download these protocols. We'll also put it up on social media. I just want as many people as possible to look at these because they are so amazing. Like many of the protocols, it only has five key questions, but they're very important ones. The very first one on Protocol 28 Zombies is, has he or she been bitten? And if the answer is yes, it's a Delta and also it's a hazmat, because obviously you don't want to interact with someone who's been infected by a zombie bite. That's what I like about the protocols in general is... Once you really get into the algorithm and determining that there's essential information we need on every police, fire, and medical call right away. Right. And then there's some of those immediate dispatch points or, or delta, you know, acuity levels. And then you get further down into the key questions and it's more additional type information. So I'm thinking with a, a zombie, if somebody's reporting a zombie bite, there's an immediate scene situation, scene hazard situation you have to cover. Exactly. If you're just reporting, you know, I see some zombies. I think they're off in the distance. They're rolling around some parking lot. It's not as urgent. No, absolutely not. And one of the other questions is, can a zombie run or, you know, move quickly if people don't understand that? And that's a really important distinction because zombies now, I feel, are portrayed as pretty fast. Oh my gosh, I am legend with will smith where the zombies are like lightning speed right but in the old days people weren't scared of zombies because they were just shambling around it's like oh i'll just outrun you or use this golf cart so that's an important distinction to make this is true like the the old black and white movies the the george romero zombie movies where they just shuffled around moaning slowly (laughs) and then every generation they seem to get faster right you've got the walking dead or you know, the Will Smith movie. There's a couple other ones where they're just, they're moving. Yeah. What was the one? Brad Pitt. Generation <sighs> Z? World War Z. World War Z. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. They're jumping and sprinting and running. So I, I worry for our population, what will happen in the next 20, 30 years? Will they be even faster? Oh my gosh. That's a great, will they grow wings as part of the mutation? Oh. That's a, no, that's a really valid concern. I think you just came up with the first proposal for change now. <laughs> yeah, I'll, I'll send that to Brett Patterson and we'll <laughs> we'll see where it goes. Another question is how many zombies are there, right? Because like we were talking about, if there's one zombie, you know, and it's kind of far away, you don't really have to worry about it. But if there's a whole horde of zombies, that could be indicative of, you know, a bigger problem, a bigger response needed. This is true. And then in, in all of the, the, the movies or shows, if they wind up having a weapon, sometimes <laughs> they, they don't use it or they use it incorrectly. So I feel like another very important key question is addressing that. Does right. anyone have a weapon? And then as a sub-question, is there ammunition? Because a really bad time to find out that you have a weapon you can use and it's empty is during a zombie outbreak. No, absolutely. And one of the things about post-dispatch instructions in general is that they kind of remind someone if they're in a panic situation like these are things that you can do to make yourself safe these are things that you can do to make the situation better and so post-dispatch instruction c on this one is if you haven't already done so load the firearm now chamber around and ensure that the safety is off. And these are just classic mistakes that people make in zombie movies. So I really appreciate that attention to detail. 
I feel like in in the ancient times they had to sit around a campfire and a village elder told them about these creatures and shared their wisdom and here's what to do or what not to do. And now in our generation, we have TV shows and movies. And right. sure, they're entertaining, but really, I think they're educational. I think <laughs> there's a reason that these movies and TV shows all have the same cliches about, exactly. you know, not not having a weapon, not loading a weapon. My favorite is just running down the center of a street without turning or taking cover anywhere. Rookie mistake. Yeah, we need to watch these films to educate ourselves. Absolutely. And watch as many as possible, I would say, right? So that you are prepared for, you know, the Walking Dead zombie versus the Romero zombie, you know? Just be prepared for any eventuality. Yeah, another good one is uh, Zombieland. Mm, I think it was like 2008, 2009, somewhere in there. And he's got all those great rules educational take note exactly and very funny so like it's a twofer it's not just like dry educational it's also you know spoonful of sugar helps the medicine go down the zombie medicine (laughs) 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 oh and we should mention that it's called protocol 28 as a reference to the omega virus in 28 days is it called 28 days later yeah there were two i think the first one was 28 days and then they had a sequel Yes. I tried to pick up where it left off. I think it was 28 weeks later. So the conceit of the film, right? So it's starring uh, Killian Murphy, Naomi Harris, Christopher Eccleston. The Omega virus took 28 days to cause a zombie infestation. So naturally, this is called Protocol 28. Is that about it for the, the zombie? Are you ready to move on to the next one? Yeah, let's do it. All right. Do you want to do monsters, creatures, sure. animals? Okay. Perfect. So protocol 47 is monsters in parentheses, creatures slash animals. The reason that this one is called protocol 47 is because the atomic number for silver is 47. And silver has been proven as an effective way of subduing some monsters, especially werewolves, which I think is important to know. I don't think a lot of people know that a silver bullet is the way to kill a werewolf. Other silver weapons are also in play. You know, it doesn't hurt to try it out. Yeah, and it's good to be prepared ahead of time because when you have a werewolf or some other creature on your property trying to make entry, it's really a bad time to start smelting down your silverware and jewelry. Exactly. Maybe maybe have a plan ahead of time. Oh, my gosh. Absolutely. Yeah. You know, when a whole pack of werewolves is prowling around town, like that's not the time to find out that your Claire's necklace is not actually silver and it's just, you know, nickel plated, <laughs> you know, like oh you have gosh, to be prepared. That's why my neck has been turning green. I get it now. <laughs> Kevin, listen, I wasn't going to tell you, but yes, Claire's is not not the place to go for jewelry. You gotta stop buying the cheap stuff. <laughs> so this is kind of a catch-all protocol, right? Like it's it's comparable to sick person on medical or public assistance or miscellaneous protocols on fire or police. And monsters that would fall under this protocol are a vampiric bat or wolf, a werewolf like we talked about, orcs or ringwraiths, gremlins, sleestacks, merman, mummy, chupacabra, Bigfoot, yeti. So it really is a catch-all. If there's something weird in your neighborhood, who are you going to call 911? And hopefully they will have these protocols. 
Yeah, this is your like cryptozoology protocol that, man, if I don't know where to classify this thing coming at me, it's probably going to be on this protocol. Absolutely. The key questions on this protocol ask, you know, just general specifics about the monsters, right? So does the monster have any special powers? How do they move? Do they walk or run, crawl, slither, swim, fly? Is the monster a normal size? You don't want to have a report of, you know, a monkey running around downtown only to find out it's King Kong. You know, you send in animal control, but what you really need is the Marine Corps. Yeah, that's a great distinction. I mean, if you've got Stephen King's Cujo, that's scary. That would frighten me, but probably doesn't need the same response as like Cloverfield or Godzilla or one of those gigantic mega monsters. Exactly. You're going to want a multi-agency response for those things, I think. So a gremlin, probably you're not going to need the Marine Corps for that. Whereas the Kraken or like a dragon you're going to want to bring out the big guns, literally and metaphorically. Yeah. And if, I mean, you've got gremlins, I think gremlins, that's more like preventative maintenance. If you know the rules of gremlins, you can avoid an entire situation with the Mogwai. Once you've got a mega monster coming down Main Street, it's an armed forces response. Exactly. I think it would be really helpful to maybe write an accompanying pamphlet of like how you can keep Mothra or Sharktopus out of your area. But you're right. That is that's not a problem for the dispatcher. That's a problem for public safety, I would say, public health. Yeah, I think you're right. We might have to put uh, like some addendums or some additional documents on the college, further education. Yes, absolutely. Probably, you know, a couple of lessons just just to get people acquainted with these, because not everyone has seen these films the same way that, you know, you and I have. And that's why we're doing this episode. And that's why we are trying to get the word out. Well, I I appreciate what you're doing because there's so many non-believers out there. And I think you're providing a very valuable service to say, don't wait. Don't wait until it's too late. Exactly. Don't be the guy who realizes that the bullets he bought from Claire's are not actually silver. Like, (laughs) (laughs) I love it. It's like a whole new Bed Bath & Beyond. It's not like jewelry, ammo, and beyond. Right? Is there... Anything else that you would like to hit upon in this protocol? Well, I mean, if we are talking about response, and I think for a lot of these like mega monster creatures, it's going to require an armed forces response. This is beyond, I think, your your local agencies. Yeah. So we talk about suffixes, mm. and I don't, I don't think you know, a lot of dispatchers like value the importance of those those determinant suffixes. But on this protocol, it's important. And each suffix indicates how the monster or creature ambulates. So is it on the ground? Is it in the air? Is it swimming through the water? I mean, each one of those different branch might have to respond. No, you're absolutely right. So you've got M for mammal or bipedal, right? So they're walking around. I is for insect or an arachnid or like a serpent. So like it's still on the ground, but, you know, it could go into trees. It could go up buildings. So you're right. You need a specific response for that. Then you have R for reptile or aquatic, right? So you they would kind of be... In very specific areas, maybe you get the Coast Guard involved. And then A for avian or airborne, which obviously you would want to contact the Air Force right away. That's right. The, the importance of an accurate determinant level. 
Right. And suffix. Right. And also noting the special powers, right? So if King Kong is running around downtown, obviously that is destructive and obviously that is going to pose a hazard. But if King Kong is running around and can also turn invisible or perhaps has limb regeneration powers, that is also something to take note of so that you can get the proper response. Yeah, very, very important. I mean, limb regeneration or, or telekinesis, it's not just the size or, or mass of this creature. Those special powers can get you. Exactly. Every single time. Post-dispatch instruction E sums it up very nicely. If it is safe to do so, leave the area immediately. I know it's tempting to whip out your phone and maybe do a TikTok, maybe do an Instagram live. But like you really need to get out of there because you don't know what's going to go down. Yeah, everybody's got got the phones out now when when something happens. And I'd like to think I'm not that guy, but I'd be smart (laughs) enough to save myself, self-preservation, get out of there. But, you know, I'm like, man, I got to get this for the IG. This is going to look good. Exactly. Then if if we're doing movie references, goes all the way back to the remember Blair Witch? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm really dating myself because of all these movie references, but Blair Witch was all handheld. Yes. And that almost made it scarier that you're seeing it like through their perspective. Right. I think some of that was in Cloverfield and some other movies it's been duplicated in. So I guess there is some value of bringing the phone out because you're going to capture important details. You know what? That is that is fair even from like a research perspective to know to have that footage of the creature is it it will be invaluable for sure okay so maybe i'll submit a pfc and we will say get footage get a picture and then get out of there so check your email that will be coming kevin i think so you've got to balance those two priorities exactly So let's move on to the final one, which is Protocol 666, Vampires. You mentioned that in 2011, like The Walking Dead was really big at the time, but also very big at the time, Twilight. And as someone who was in middle and high school when the Twilight books and movies were at their zenith, I think this is really important to talk about because a lot of people of my generation don't know that vampires aren't just sexy, like they're legitimately dangerous. That's an important distinction is, again, I'm thinking the dawn of the the movie age, you had Nosferatu and some really classic black and white horror films, and they were scary and for the time somewhat gruesome. And then you're right, we get into... True Blood or Twilight, and man, these these characters are good looking. I could be friends with this guy. They're they're not dangerous. This is a fun crew to hang out with, and you forget they are absolute bloodthirsty killers. I mean, they're predators, and you know, Twilight kind of touched on it with one of the Cullens becoming, you know, a vegetarian, which means that they drink animal blood and not human blood. But when Bella cut her hand open, it was almost open season, and I don't think enough people recognize that scene as a cautionary tale that it is. Well, I think of you don't you don't ever hear somebody say, oh, I wish I was a zombie. I wish I was some mega creature or a gremlin or a chupacabra. Right. But there's this entire population out there that thinks I want to be a vampire. This is a cool thing. Like, sign me up. 
Right. But then you have to deal with immortality. I don't know about you, but that sounds super boring. What happens when you master all of the skills that you set out to do? And some of these vampires aren't even doing that. They're just doing high school over and over again. There's only so many times that I can map a cell, you know? Yeah, you've got interview with a vampire mm-hmm. and she was a vampire at, I forget her age, like nine or 10. Yeah, very young. So forever, forever you have to be a toddler. That no, is, I, not interested. Absolutely not interested. And I wonder how much of this is vampire propaganda, right? So that they can keep finding willing victims. These people, there's an episode of Buffy about this where there are these kind of vampire worshipers and they want to become like blood bags for the vampires in the hopes that they'll eventually get turned. But guess what happens at the end of that one? The terminally ill kid who wanted to become a vampire he was just killed and it was really terrible. Yeah, I think for, for everyone listening, it's really important that don't don't buy into the vampire propaganda. I mean, do you do your research, check more than one source. Don't don't fall into that. It's just sad. And don't be charmed. That is something that you address in the protocol. Avoid direct eye contact. That is the method that vampires use to charm their victims. You may think that you're in control, but you're really not. They have supernatural powers apart from, you know, turning into bats or mists or whatever. And part of that is the glamour. Part of that is hypnotizing people. And I'm sorry to say, but you're not immune to it. You're not the main character here. Stay away. Yeah, of of all the monster protocols, and we've talked about zombies and, and creatures and other things, I really think vampires are the largest concern. Yes. Because one, they're they're fast, they're violent, they're bloodthirsty, but then they can charm. So they can convince people to either take care of them, be a, be a familiar, be a, a keeper while they're sleeping, do their bidding. And then lastly, they can change their form. Right. They can turn into a bat or a wolf or a, or a mist. These are, this is not something you can take lightly. You need to be prepared for the... The vampires. Exactly. And like, when was the last time you were able to capture mist? Never. And so unlike zombies, you know, you kill him with a headshot or werewolves kill him with a silver bullet. There are two ways, only two ways that you can kill a vampire. And that is sunlight or stake to the heart. You know, garlic and crucifixes, they will provide kind of that temporary protection while you get out your stake or while you wait for the sun to rise. But it's so important to a always have a steak with you and b always know when sunrise is coming. Yeah, and vampires have the wealth of of knowledge for how long they've they've been around. So if you have a vampire that's been in existence hundreds of years or thousands of years, they're very very intelligent. They're crafty, and you don't see that with a zombie, obviously. But with a vampire, you might have all the tools and tricks at your disposal. I'm thinking of Lost Boys. Yes. The Frog Brothers, they knew everything to do and they still got outsmarted by the vampire because you can't invite them in. Once you invite them in, you lose all your power. Game over, right? So just don't do it. Stay safe. Again, I can't emphasize this enough. Stay away from vampires. I know they're so alluring. And again, it goes back to that vampire propaganda. But just the safest course of action is to get out of there. You know, now now that we're thinking about it, Kind of want to be a vampire, man. They're they're <laughs> Kevin, badass and Kevin, they're, no. they're sexy and smart and you no. Know, 
No. All right. No. Okay. Shoot. Let's just just talk it down, breathe it out. Like, no, you don't want that. One of the things that is different on this protocol as opposed to the other protocols is that there are shunts. You ask the key question, is, you know, anyone being attacked right now? If the answer is yes, that's kind of a hazmat situation. And, you know, you're going to want to do what you can. But really, once a vampire bites you, that's kind of it. That's, you know, they're going to start transforming. And really, the kindest thing to do is to kill the victim. But the second question is, what form has the vampire taken? So if they're human, you stay on the same protocol. But if they're a wolf or bat or if they turn into mist, like we talked about, you're actually going to shunt over to protocol 47, which is, you know, the creature's protocol, because you will have to handle it in a different way. This protocol is really just meant for vampires when they're in human form. If they have shifted into any other kind, you know, you're going to want to go to a different protocol so that it can be attended to properly. That's right. The value of the shunt. I think we've covered all of the protocols. Is there anything that you want to add? Any any sort of knowledge that you want to pass on to our listeners? Yeah, I think, you know, value the movies, value the TV shows because they're educational. There's something there. Yes, they're entertaining, but you're going to catch something that is going to save your life this Halloween. And you'll be like, oh, man, it's a good thing I binge watched that on Netflix. Exactly. (laughs) (laughs) Or wherever. Right. Like if you have it on DVD, just however you consume this knowledge, there's no wrong way, you know. Yeah. and, And every year. Like we talked about that with the zombies, they seem to get faster. Right. But with all of these shows coming out, you've got better special effects and they seem to get more graphic. But I would encourage everyone, don't rule out like some classic 80s and 90s horror shows. Yes. They might not be right. as slick or glamorous or CGI, but they're still just fantastic. Right. And there's something horrifying about practical effects, right? Because you're like, that could happen. You know, Freddy Krueger could trap me in my own bed. That makes it all the more scary, I think. It is. And it, it I mean, I'm thinking Stephen King. He's the master, mm-hmm. master of horror. And he created a whole category that I don't even know which protocol to put it into. But what about it? Mm. What do you do with scary clowns? I really think that clowns should probably be a standalone protocol. You have clowns who don't have powers and then you have clowns that do have powers, right? Like Pennywise with the shape shifting also, but that wouldn't quite work under the creature protocol. So I think we need another one. I think you're right. So if there's somebody out there that has a lot of experience with really scary clowns, we need a clown protocol. And an alien protocol too, I think that would be super helpful just because we don't know. We don't know what's out there. We're pushing out more and more into the universe and what happens when the universe pushes back. That's right. So for an, for an alien protocol, I'm going to walk you into this one. What would be the protocol number? 51, obviously. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> <What>? Perfect. <laughs> I'm not new here, Kevin. Like, please. <laughs> not my first day. <laughs> it's not my first alien rodeo. Fun fact, though, actually, if someone does call in and reports a UFO, you would handle that on police protocol 122 miscellaneous. That's right. See, there's some crossover. That's why we have that universal standard about discipline selection. Yes. Because it might be police, might be fire, might be medical. 
might be monsters. Might be monsters. I think, you know, Kevin, the more that we're talking about this, I really do think that we should just have a bunch of monster protocols and have that separately because you're right. You're not really going to want to go to police or medical necessarily. You're going to want to deal with the monster first. And then, you know, if there are lacerations or broken limbs, then you can handle it. Well, and you have that, that great CEI for, you know, critical dispatcher information about notifying agencies. Now we could add in Men in Black, yes. X-Files, Buffy, I don't know, there's other government agencies out there. Yeah. Top secret. <laughs> they are secret, but not so secret that you can't reach out if you really, really need it, which is an important distinction for sure. Absolutely. Okay, Kevin, we are wrapping up here. What are your top three horror or scary movie recommendations for people to watch during this Halloween season? Three, huh? That's tough. <laughs> well, I think if we're going to go scary, yes. like makes you uncomfortable to watch, you're kind of like looking through the <laughs> your hand or like got a blanket <laughs> over your head. 2018, A Quiet Place oh, with John yes. Krasinski and Emily Blunt. Yes. So for those that haven't seen it, it's like alien creatures come and they have a very heightened sense of hearing. So you can't make a sound. It's yeah, it made me very uncomfortable to watch. It's kind of nerve wracking. Oh, yeah. Did you watch it in a theater? No, I, I did the home thing, which, you know, then you got to turn all the lights off and put the phones down and like really focus on it. But again, no spoilers, but the, the bathtub scene oh. like, probably took three years off my life. Oh, my gosh. No. So I, I saw it in theaters and it was packed, Ugh. right? Because it just opened. But I have never heard like 150 people so quiet before. One person <laughs> was crunching on their popcorn at like a really key point and everyone was like, shut up up what are you doing like it was <laughs> it was amazing so yes definitely a quiet place and like kevin said like it's not in theaters anymore so watch it at home make sure everything is turned off and turn off the lights for your peak experience okay number two going further back 2002 the ring i oh. think that's maybe best overall plot that it's got a great story. It's not one of those cheesy, I know what's going to happen. I can predict everything. And there's a good twist about halfway through where I'd be shocked if anyone saw that coming. Again, trying to avoid spoilers here. Right. But older movie really, really holds up well. Yeah, absolutely. And then what is your third one? I think just overall, when you think of Halloween, it should be scary. It should also be fun and kind of funny. And this is really going to date me because I'm going back to 82. Oh, OK. But I'm, I'm a Gen Xer and I still just think this is a classic movie that checks all the boxes. And it's the original The Thing, John Carpenter's The Thing with oh. Kurt Russell. Oh, I love Kurt Russell. He is a legend. It is. Yeah, it's just is it the scariest? No. Does it have the greatest plot? No. But again, you've got claymation special effects because it was before cgi it's somewhat gory and kurt russell's just like a legend he's hilarious so overall i don't know i think i still like the thing i mean and as you should again like that is part of the joy of halloween is it's a little bit silly too like you should be scared but you should also be like nah okay i see you humor and horror go go hand in hand i mean i guess for like the funny genre, anything with, with Bruce Campbell. You've got the whole yes. Evil Dead, Army of Darkness. Just, I love it. 
it's yeah it's great because like right i think the the juxtaposition of the two things the horror and the humor punches up both of them right so i'm thinking jordan peele's movies they're so funny and so scary and the the two elements just swirl around each other and make it even more heightened that's right and you know in the event of you know a zombie attack a vampire outbreak any monsters the important thing is to stay calm yes and keep your head and so humor is a a big part of that i think that might be the one takeaway from all of this is keep a strong head keep keep an open mind keep it funny keep it light yeah and i think dispatchers are the perfect audience for that right they are used to dealing with some very heavy things and you know kind of keeping a, a a dark humor about it so really you guys are gonna survive the apocalypse so be ready for that yeah that's well said I'm, I'm feeling a lot better now i think anything goes down it'll be the dispatchers that are that are standing there holding the gate saving the day a thousand percent again if you are writing a supernatural movie where dispatcher is the hero hit us up. I would love to read it. Another thing is we are going to post these protocols on social media and in the show notes, which you can find wherever you're listening right now and click on the more information and there will be a link to the protocols. And we think it would be super fun if you triage scenes from your favorite movies, have someone pretend to call in and be like, hey, guess what? There's a Tyrannosaurus Rex downtown. There's a ghost in my neighbor's house. There's robots maybe in this really spooky suburb called Stepford. We would love to hear it. Send us TikToks or Instagram videos or just the audio and we will repost it because you got to have fun with this kind of stuff. Absolutely. And you know what? These few protocols are just the tip of the iceberg. There's so much more room. Like you said, there's room for an alien one. There's room for a clown one. There's room for a witch one, really, because witches don't really fall under any of these. They kind of have the the threatening aura of vampires because they're in human form. But can they shapeshift? They can also cast spells and you need to be prepared for that. That's right. Well, Kevin, thank you so much for taking time out of your busy schedule to talk to us about such an important topic. And, you know, I really hope that you come on the podcast again because we make a really great team. (laughs) I appreciate that. This is super fun. I will absolutely take you up on that. So everybody be safe and have a really fun Halloween. Halloween.